Emilio was right. It's, uh, it's humbling as we read about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he went through. On behalf of his people to save us, guys, we wouldn't be here today apart from Jesus. There's no eternal life apart from Christ. So may he be glorified today as we look into his word together. So let's turn to uh, the Gospel of Mark once again. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. The series is again entitled, The Gospel of Our Servant Savior, Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the message today is entitled, What is Your Response to the Gospel? What is your response to the Gospel? So Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as the sower sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell amongst the thorns. Verse 2. How does he teach? Well, Jesus begins to teach a little differently. He begins to teach in parables, the scripture says. And we're going to look at this first parable here in a moment. Now, a parable is simply the use of something common to teach a spiritual truth. And we're going to see in this case that Jesus is going to use agriculture, farming, to teach spiritual truths. However, you need to understand this morning, parables, even though they are simple in their format, unless they are explained, they are hard to understand. And in order for people to understand these parables, they had to be submitted and dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, these parables are going to be used to teach about the kingdom of God, but also to show those that were in Christ, they wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus, they wanted to understand the parables, and those that would have heard the parables and been like, what in the world is he talking about? And they had already rejected Christ and his clear teaching and the miracles that he had been doing. And guess what? They didn't want to understand what the parables were teaching. And we'll see that as we walk through the passage. Now, verses 3 through 9. Jesus says, listen! Exclamation point. I say the same to you today. Listen to the word of God. He says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. 
Now farmers in that time, they would have tilled up their ground just like farmers today. But in this particular context and time, the farmer would have had a seed bag slung over his shoulder and he would walk up and down the furrows of his field and guess what he would do? He would be casting seed there in the field. Now look at verse four. So he goes out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And that path there, it's talking about a footpath. And the birds came and devoured it up. So some seed, it was going into the tilled up ground, but other seed just fell on the walking paths. It was hard soil because it had been trampled on and walked on. And so these seeds, they would never even get into the ground. And so the birds would come by and they would take it right up. Look at verse 5. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. So there were other parts of the ground, even though it had been tilled, there was this hard rocky ground underneath called limestone. And so the, the tilling would have been just two to three inches, but then you'd have had this hard ground that hadn't been tilled up. And so the seed would fall on these parts of the field and immediately it comes up. You know, there's a little bit of moisture there and you think, oh, yeah, the crop, this is going to be good. But the roots couldn't go down because of this hard, stony, rocky ground. And so sure enough, the sun would come up in the day and they would wither away. Sounds like uh, it's thundering. <laughs> All right, verse 7. Other seed fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. So you had this other seed that the soil had been uh, tilled up, but there were these thorns. They were these weeds, and so the seed, it would begin to grow and the roots were going and the shoot was coming up but now you had these thorns these weeds choking out everything now i did do a little bit of research about farming and seeds i'll have to admit this is not my cup of tea this is not my area of expertise but this was really cool if you do enjoy science or if you've ever done any kind of farming the germination of a seed and by the way let me make this point really clear God's design and his creation, you need to understand all of creation really does point to the glory of God. It really does point to our need for Jesus. It really does point to salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ. Do you understand a seed coming to life is an act of God? Seeds can't come to life apart from the way God has designed them and God making them come to life. So by the way, this morning, you're dead hard in sin if you're still apart from Jesus. You can't be made alive unless Christ makes you alive. That's why you need Jesus this morning. You need Christ to take your hard heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. It's called regeneration. So just like the seed can only come to life through Christ, it's the same way, spiritually speaking, in your heart. So seeds have to germinate if you're going to have a crop. They have to wake up. They have to come to life. They need sunlight and water. 
an heir to do this. So by the way, for your dead heart to come alive, you need the Spirit of God to awaken you. You need the Word of God. This is why we preach. This is why we teach. This is why you should read the Bible. Is because God's Word is what brings your dead heart to life. That's salvation. That's the good news of Christ. So when the seed goes into the soil, the moisture in the soil activates these enzymes. And I don't understand all of that, but it causes the root to grow down deep and causes the shoot to come up. So that's what's happening. The seed covering, it breaks open. The root, it's growing downward. It's looking for more and more water. The shoot's growing upward. It's looking for sunlight and air. So by the way, when God gives you a new heart, you know what's going to happen? You're going to begin to read the word because you know you need it and you love it. And it's what sustains you. It's the water of life. And then you're going to be like the shoot that's going up and you're going to be looking for sunshine and you're going to be looking for air. You're not going to have to be drugged to church. You're going to want to come to church because you know you need God's people and you need the preaching and the teaching of his word. You're going to begin to pray because you understand the dependence upon God for every moment of your life. That's what happened to Rachel Joy Scott. And that's what can happen to every single one of us today through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So over time, in the right conditions, these seeds will grow and they will bear fruit. If you're in Christ today, by God's grace, through his spirit, through his word, your life will bear fruit fruit it's good news so now we come back to verse 7 excuse me we just did verse 7 verse 8 there was other seed that fell on the good soil and it produced grain growing up and increasing it yielded 30 fold and 60 fold and a hundredfold. And let me tell you, as I was studying this, a typical like bumper crop or a good crop was like eight to tenfold. So Jesus is already hinting out here of 30-fold, 60-fold, a hundredfold. This is a supernatural kind of growth. This is a growth that only God could bring. Because you see, when God gives you a new heart, you're the good soil, there's going to be this exponential growth that happens. Because of God. That's what he's getting at. It's phenomenal growth. So now look at verse 9. He says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Are you going to listen this morning? Do you have spiritual ears to hear? If not, pray that God would open up your ears. God would open up your heart. God would open up your mind to hear his word. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Are you listening today? Do you want to hear truth? Do you want to hear what Jesus has to say? Seek him. Now verses 10 through 12. When he was alone. So this is at some point later on. Jesus is alone. He's shared this parable there by the Sea of Galilee. And those with spiritual ears, you know what they do? Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. You see, they wanted to understand 
what Jesus was talking about in these parables. Verse 11, he says to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Now, what is this, what is this getting at? He's saying to them as genuine followers, genuine believers, you've been given the secret or the mystery of the kingdom of God. What that is talking about, that word secret or mystery means the revelation of something that was previously hidden or unknown. Think about it this way. All of the prophecies about the coming Messiah, there was a mystery to that, right? When you read Isaiah 53 and you read about the suffering servant, one that was going to be crushed for the sin of his people, there's a a mystery to that. But then we come to the New Testament, we come to the New Covenant, and we see the revelation of that. We see the fulfillment of that. We understand that's talking about Jesus. And if you're a believer today, through the Holy Spirit, illuminating your heart and your mind, you're like, yes, I understand. Isaiah 53 is talking about Jesus. And that's good news. It's this mystery being revealed. Well, that's what's happening with the genuine believers here. Jesus is going to explain to them the parable, and they're going to understand it. But for those that are outside, all of these Pharisees, these religious leaders that had rejected Jesus, they were hard in their hearts. Guys, they don't get it. And there's people today that would be like, Eric, why would you waste your life preaching God's word? That's lunacy. That's craziness. I don't need Jesus. My heart's good. My life's fine. They don't get it because they're on the outside looking in. Look at verse 12. He explains it further. So that they may indeed see but not perceive. You see these Pharisees, they were seeing what was going on with Jesus, but they didn't perceive. They made it indeed hear but not understand. They heard physically what Jesus was saying, but they didn't understand it, lest they should turn and be forgiven. You see, that, that passage there in verse 12, we don't have time to go there, but you could go to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, and these are words that God spoke to Isaiah. You see, in Isaiah 6, God called the prophet Isaiah. He said, Isaiah said, Lord, send me, I'll go. And so God sends him. But by the way, Isaiah... The people, they're not going to listen. Their hearts have become so hard, I'm not going to allow them to listen because I'm going to bring my judgment upon their rebellion. And, and who did God use to bring that judgment? Well, he used Babylon. And sure enough, Babylon comes in and they destroy the city of Jerusalem. And so there, there's this sense in this passage, guys, when you just keep rejecting and you just keep rejecting and your heart is, is hard, God turns you over to your hard heart. Remember the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? We talked about last week and God told them, you're not going to be forgiven because they were calling the work of Jesus the work of the devil. So as I thought about that, guys, this is really important. We're talking about the sovereignty of God. We're talking about, you just don't say, you know what, I'll just come to Jesus whenever I feel like it. It doesn't work that way. 
You come to Jesus when He calls you and He draws you and He convicts you and He changes your heart. And so this morning, if God is convicting you and God is drawing you, today is the day of salvation. Think about Pharaoh in Egypt. Exodus 8.15, you don't have to turn there, but it says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart and he would not listen to Moses. However, in Exodus 9.12, you know what it says? It says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he wouldn't listen to Moses. And so there's these two truths, as Spurgeon says, these parallel truths that lead to the throne of God. God's sovereignty, God's in control, and human's responsibility you want to be saved today you've got to submit to the sovereign authoritative hand of God pastor Jim you preached about Romans 1 there you are looking at Jimbo pastor Jim's there Romans 1 God gave the people over to their sin Their hearts were hard and God gave them over to their sin Here's the application for us, guys. Salvation belongs to the Lord. God is sovereign over all things, and we are responsible for our sin. Only God can grant salvation. So when God is convicting you, repent and trust in Christ alone. No one can say that they will turn to Jesus when they feel like it. It doesn't work that way. And in Mark 4, there were many that were being shut out of the kingdom of God because of their constant rebellion against Jesus had led to their hearts being hardened. You need to see that in this passage in verses 10 through 12. That's a scary, sobering, serious thing because we're talking about eternity. We're talking about will you spend eternity in heaven or will you spend eternity in hell? Now, with all that being said, Jesus is going to explain the parable to us. So let's go back to verse 13. This is awesome. Jesus is teaching us. So he says there in verse 13, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He's like, hey, I'm going to give you understanding here. Only by my spirit, only through me teaching you can you understand. And why, why are you not understanding? Verse 14, Jesus says, the sower sows the word. So here's some fundamental truths. The sower is ultimately, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. But he sows the seed through who? His people, his followers, his ambassadors, he's his representatives. So if you're here this morning and you are in Christ, guess what? You're called to sow the seed. You're to be seed flingers. What is the seed? The seed is the word of God. It's sharing the truth, the love of Jesus Christ every single day. I mean, it's really what I'm doing right now is I'm sharing the seed, the truth of the word of God with you. Now, the other part of this parable we're going to see are the hearts of people. And that's represented by the soils. There's an unreceptive heart. There's a superficial heart. There's a worldly heart. And then there's finally, there's a good heart. There's good soil. And we're going to look at that. 
You know, as I've been reading about Rachel Scott, just in God's providence, I came across this book. Uh, she, uh, this is the young lady from Columbine. She wrote a lot of journals. Just amazing. I mean, this girl was only 17 years old when she became a martyr for the faith. But she wrote these journals. And one interesting thing about her is she was a seed flinger. She's a junior in high school when she died. But she was known in her school by her peers to be someone that ministered the love and truth of Christ to the outcasts. There's one young fellow that had some form of disabilities. He got picked on. I mean, you know, this happens. If you don't understand this to the adults, young people get picked on, bullied all the time at school. Okay? It, it happens all the time. It happens all the time in our culture. And so this, this young man, he would be picked on and bullied because of the disabilities he had. But Rachel Scott was a young lady that was known to, to show care and compassion to him. And, and there were many others. She did the same thing in her youth group, by the way, to all of our young people here. She didn't make fun of people that typically were made fun of. And she also did the same at her job. She worked at Subway. And there were stories of how she would minister to homeless people uh, that came into her store. And, and I'm just sharing that with you. She was 17 years old. It's never too young to start following Christ and being a seed flinger, representing him, making a difference for the kingdom of God. So let's talk about these soils. Verse 15. He says, these are the ones, he's talking about the first soil there, the unreceptive soil. These are the ones, the seeds that fall along the path where the the word is sown, but when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. It's such a sad thing. This would have been the Pharisees, these religious leaders, their hard hearts. God's word was going forth to them, and it was going forth to them. Jesus was right before their eyes, but their hearts were so hard, like that the footpaths that would be trampled on, and it was so hard that the seeds never even had a chance to germinate because the birds would come and snatch it away. That There are people every single day, the word of God goes forth, and they're, they're atheists. They don't even believe that there is a God. There's this, you know, these theories of evolution and everything that humans come up with to basically explain away that there is no God. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. So talking about Satan to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, this first kind of seed, this unreceptive soil, excuse me, this first kind of heart, the unreceptive soil, this hard soil, it represents those that are filled with self-righteousness, filled with pride. They don't think that they are really that bad, and they don't see their need for Jesus. And sadly today, you know, through internet and here, there may be somebody that's listening to this message and they're like, you know what, I'll be, I'll be so glad when he's done. I'll be so glad when he's done. You know, those young men that killed Rachel Joy Scott, they made videos beforehand. And you know who they were really mad at? It was God. They, they called Jesus names that I can't say up here. They applauded the Romans for killing Jesus. Did you know that? 
Their hatred and their anger was ultimately against God. That was their hearts. They were like this first soil. Sad. Young men. 16, 17 years old. That's, that was their heart. And by the way, young people, other things that fed that, okay, ultimately it was the sinfulness of their heart. But you need to hear me say, they played video games that were violent and violent and violent. And they begin to think in their mind, we can do the same thing. And they listen to music that was just gross and immoral and filthy and all of that stuff. They read about Hitler. I mean, when you read about this stuff, they were just so filled with hate, hate and malice. And ultimately, it led to them killing 13 people there at their school. So parents, kids, if you don't think that stuff will affect you, think again. Think again. Be careful what you fill your heart and your mind with. But let's go to the second type of soil, verses 16 and 17. These are the ones, these seeds that are sown on the rocky ground. And again, it's not talking about like ground that has rocks in it. It's talking about this hard layer of limestone, hard rock underneath. The ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So these are the plants that wither away. There's this initial excitement. There, there seems to be growth here. But guys, there's no root. Because it can't get down into soil because of this hard rock that's there. So when tribulation or persecution comes, like the sun, the heat of the sun coming, what happens to these plants? They wither away. You see, these are people that they come to church, and there's some excitement. There's some emotions that are exhibited. They're not like anti-Jesus, but it's all about feelings. It's all about emotions. Or maybe there's this intellectual understanding about Jesus. But you need to hear me say this morning, these are not true believers. There may even be a profession of faith. They may have even been baptized. But at the end of the day, there's not true saving faith in Christ. Think about Ruth and Orpah in the Old Testament. You know, Ruth and Orpah, they both lost their husbands. It was a difficult time in their life. They both eagerly are going to follow Naomi back to Jerusalem, okay, back to uh, their the homeland of Naomi, Ruth and Orpah are Moabites. But as they're going, Ruth ends up, excuse me, Naomi. Oh, I got all my names mixed up here. Orpah, get it straight, Orpah turns back. She goes back to her God. So even though there was this initial excitement to follow after Naomi and her God, she doesn't stick with us. Whereas Ruth, here's what she says. She says to Naomi, Where you go, I will go. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. She wasn't turning back, guys. She was all in. She had been given a new heart in Christ. 
and she was going to follow Christ no matter what. John MacArthur says this regarding this soil. Those that are represented their heart condition of this soil, he says, he has come to Christ for what he thought he would get in the way of personal benefit. But when confronted with the high cost of salvation, he will not pay the price. It's the rich young ruler that we've talked about many times. Oh yeah, I follow the commandments. Jesus, I'll follow. And Jesus says, okay, go sell everything that you have and come follow me. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. So when trials and tribulation and adversity comes, that really does show who's genuinely in the faith and those that are not in the faith. And by the way, for the believers that are here, easy believism really feeds these kinds of experiences, doesn't it? So we're responsible for how we share the gospel with people. So when we say, hey, just say this little prayer. Just raise your hand. Hey, you're going to go to heaven. Everything's going to be good. It doesn't really matter how you live after this. You're forgiven in Jesus. He's your Savior now. Everything's good. Do you see how it feeds this kind of false teaching? That's not genuine conversion. That's, there's this excitement. There's this joy. But it doesn't last because it's not ultimately in Christ. There's no real faith here. There's no new heart. There's no genuine repentance. There's no brokenness over sin. There's no humility before Christ. And now we go to the third soil, verses 18 and 19. Jesus goes on to say, And others are the ones that are sown amongst the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world... And the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. That's important. There's still no fruit. Okay, this is not a genuine believer or follower in Christ. Look at the three things he says that ultimately chokes out the plants here. He says the cares of this world. The worries of life become all-consuming. The deceitfulness of riches, the love of money, the love of stuff becomes all-consuming. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10 talks about how the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and it's caused many to wander from the faith. It's the desire for other things. Temporal and earthly things are more important than Jesus. So again, guys, this could be somebody that made a profession of faith in Jesus, maybe part of a, a church for a time, but their heart, their life was really never changed. And they still continued to love themselves. They can still continue to love the things of the world. And that's what their life was all about. And so there was no fruit. There was no evidence of Christ because it was choked out by their fleshly, sinful desires. It's almost like syncretism. You guys have ever heard that word. Sometimes when you go to, you know, Pastor Jim, this probably happens in Africa a good bit. If you go to different places and they have all these different kind of beliefs and they hear, oh, Jesus. Okay, that sounds pretty good. I'll just kind of add him to the mix. And so there's real no, no real devotion to Jesus, but it sounds good. It's like, okay, I'm not against Jesus and what he's done, but 
There's no allegiance to the lordship of Christ. That's syncretism. We just kind of add Jesus to our lives. And that's what we do here in America. Okay, yeah, I've got a pretty good life. Nice job, nice car, nice family, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good. I mean, I can go to church, be a part of this Christian thing. It'll look good on my resume. I'll be a nice part of the community. Everybody will think highly of me. But there's no genuine heart change in Christ. These are all examples of this third type of soil. We don't have time to go there, but you can go to John 15. Jesus says the branches that bear no fruit, what happens to them? They're cast out and they're burned. He's the vine and we are the branches and he prunes those that are truly his, truly his, excuse me, so that we will bear fruit. Now, finally, let's get to the good soil. So we've looked at the unreceptive soil. We've looked at the superficial soil, the second one. And then the third one was kind of the worldly soil. And I apologize, I probably didn't give all that on the front end. So you got the unreceptive soil, the superficial soil, the worldly soil, and now this fourth soil is the good one. This is going to represent those that are genuinely in the faith. How do we know that? Well, look at verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones, they hear the word, which by the way, these, the two soils before, they heard the word. But look at the difference. The good soil, they accept it and they bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. I do want us to read this cross-reference together. Matthew 7. Jesus here uses another illustration that I think helps us understand about this good soil and the difference. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, did you catch that? Does them, there's obedience, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house so all the trials and tribulations of life come but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock it was in christ verse 26 everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them so they hear the word but they don't receive it they don't accept it they don't obey it here's what it says will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand the rain fell the floods came the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Trials and tribulations, they come, but because there's not this new heart, there's not this love for God's word, they fall away. Whereas the good soil, it bears fruit regardless of how hard life may be. So evidence that you're the good soil you know what happens when God gives you a new heart? You now have a genuine love for God. You now have a genuine love for his word. Guys, if you're here this morning and you say you're a Christian, but you don't read your Bible, you could care less about the Bible, guess what? You're a liar and the truth is not in you. That's what God's word says. If you don't have a love for God, you don't have a love for his word, you need to test yourself. You need to examine your heart. Because you may not be in the faith. And you also have a genuine love for God's people. 
the fruit of the Spirit, right? All the spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not that we're perfect as Christians. We're constantly being sanctified. We're constantly being cleansed. We're constantly dying to self. We're constantly putting sin to death. But there's this desire. There's this newness of life. The roots are going down. The shoot is coming up just like a seed. That's what happens when you're the good, soft soil before the Lord. I want to leave you guys with a couple of stories. I really, I, I want to encourage you to read. Okay, read about missionaries. Read about those that have gone before us and the fruit of their labors. So I shared with you guys, and this is one about foreign missions, and then we'll do one about stateside missions. So Florence Young, I shared a few weeks back about this young lady. So for all the, the little the kids in here, she grew up, she comes to faith in Christ. She was scared to death to pray. The first time she got asked to pray, she sat there for like three minutes and said absolutely nothing because she was scared. <laughs> she was fearful. We probably have all been there. And so sure enough, she didn't even pray that day. But over time, God continued to grow her. God continued to mature her. And she was from Australia. She began to go to the Solomon, these Pacific islands, and she ministered to this group called the Kanakas, First, she ministered to them as slaves there in Australia and New Zealand. And then as they went back to their countries, they had been discipled through the, the work that she and others had started. And then she began to go uh, to these islands for over 40 years. She just gave her life away, you know, sharing uh, and living out the gospel there. And it was interesting, through her testimony, many of her family members, you know what they did? They followed her to the mission field. Her brother went. She had a niece that went. And so her niece, Constance, uh, had passed away. But she was reading some of her, her niece's journals a few years before. And here's what Constance, who was the niece of Florence Young, here's what she had to say about going to the Solomon Islands to minister to these cannibalistic uh, people groups. She said, this is a real battlefield. And I've got the soldier's love of battle very strong just now. I couldn't leave my pals down here for a soft pillow at home. So she's writing about being on the mission field. They are so pitifully few already, and if I went home, that would make one less to carry on the fight. And that's why I have written so much home this time. I want you all at home to realize the joy of conquest as I feel it when I'm sitting in school on Sunday morning and I see the rows and rows of the quiet, earnest faces, brands that have been plucked from the enemy's country and from his hand. It makes you realize when you hear them singing and you hear them praying how infinitely worthwhile it is even though it does cost for some fever and even death. And by the way, she died from black fever. One thing that has been coming home to me lately is this, that you must be willing to die in this kind of rescue work. What does it matter if a few missionaries die in the attack? You can't have real war without casualties if souls are really being rescued. That was the heart of this young lady, this missionary, Constance. And that wasn't even the lady Florence Young that the book was about. This was her niece that had followed her on the mission field. Now you may say, okay, well that's international, that's foreign missions. I want you to think about right here in our own community. I want you to think about stateside missions. I want you again to think about Rachel Joy Scott and they're at Columbine High School. I'm going to try to look something up here on my phone. Like I told you guys, she did a lot of journaling 
Interesting, when she was shot, the, one of the bullets that went through her went into her backpack and it actually lodged and stopped in her journal. And so her parents get the journal back a few months later and they end up writing this book just from some of the journal entries. But here's what she said. I'm going to put my glasses on. Remember I told you guys I couldn't see earlier? You know, Mr. Bill, it seems like the, the books I read, the, the print has just gotten smaller over time. I don't know what it is. But anyway, so in this particular book, it's really small on my, my phone. But here was an entry that Rachel Joy Scott. So remember, 17-year-old girl. So I think this one was written. Actually, it was one year before she died, April the 20th, 1998. So she would have been 16 at the time. American, right here in the States. Here's what she said. It's like I have a heavy heart and this burden is upon my back, but I don't know what it is. There's something in me that makes me want to cry and I don't even know what it is. Things have definitely changed. Last week was so hard besides missing breakthrough and that was the name of her youth group. Here's, here's what she says. I lost all of my friends at school. Now that I have begun to walk my talk, they make fun of me. I don't even know what I've done. I don't really have to say anything and they turn me away. I have no more personal friends at school, but you know what? It's all worth it. I'm not going to apologize for speaking the name of Jesus. I'm not going to hide the light that God has put into me. I have to sacrifice everything. I will take it. If my friends have to become my enemies for me to be with my best friend Jesus, then that's fine with me. You know, I've always known that part of being a Christian is having enemies, but I never thought that my friends were going to be those enemies. It's all good. I'm just a loner now at school. I just wish that someone from my youth group went to my school. That's hard, guys. So if you're a, a young person and you're a Christian and you're struggling, you do have a friend that's six closer than a brother. Let me take these off so I can now see you again. And his name is Jesus. Has the gospel of Jesus Christ taken root in your life? Are you genuinely in the faith? Secondly, if you've been saved by God's grace this morning, are you bearing fruit for his glory? You know, we're not responsible to produce the seed, right? The word of God is the seed, and it will accomplish what God sets it out to accomplish. We don't have to change the soil, the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. God does that. But you know how he does it? He does it through his seed going out. He does it through the word of God. And we're called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone we come in contact with. Last story and then we'll pray. Interesting, Rachel Joy Scott. This was about, it was a little over a year before she passed. They did a talent show at her school. And most of the kids did something that was fun or silly. But as a Christian, she took it as an opportunity to share the gospel through song and through acting. She really enjoyed theater, drama, acting, those kind of things. And so she shares the gospel through this particular song she was using. But interesting that night, the tape that she was using messed up. 
Guess who was in the sound room having to fix the tape and listening to her share the gospel? It was Dylan. It was one of the young men that was ultimately going to take her life a little over a year later. She had shared the gospel with one of the young men that ultimately killed her. The gospel is costly. I don't know what any of our days are going to look like, right? God does, and you can trust him moment by moment. But I can say this, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to live out the gospel in a lost and dying world. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for teaching us from your word this morning of the parable of the sower. And God, if we're in the faith this morning, we know it's only by your grace. We know it's only by work of your spirit. It's, it's the love of Christ that has taken root deep within us and has given us a new heart. And we thank you that we're part of that good soil. And may we bear fruit for the glory of your name. And then, Father, for those that are here this morning that are one of the other soils, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would realize, God, they've sinned against you, but there is forgiveness in Christ, and there's newness of life in Christ, that they would repent, and they would look to Christ today. Father, would you help us to live out the gospel, whether we're a little boy, a little girl, or a grown man, or a grown woman. God, wherever you have placed us, may we be seed flingers this week. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray together. Amen. Let's all stand and we will worship the Lord through song.